Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitzman, going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by The Harrier. And today is a very special episode. I say it probably every episode, but this one especially because we have our very first uh, not only Olympic medalist, but Olympic champion joining us. We have uh, Olympic gold medalist from the 2020 Tokyo Games in the women's pole vault, Katie Najat, uh, joining us today. Katie, thanks for, uh, for coming out. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. And so for people who have been following you on, on social media, uh, the, the first question I would have to ask is, what Cleveland celebrity or sports team have you not met yet? It seems <laughs> like you're, you're throwing out first pitches, you're, you're breaking down the huddle and with yeah. the rounds. I mean, you're doing everything. Like who, what have you not met yet from, from the state of Ohio, really? Um, I haven't done anything with the Cavs yet. I'm going to, but not yet. Um, <laughs> and then I guess the one that I get the most is, you know, Oh, did LeBron reach out? And no, he did not. So that's, I, that's the first one that comes to mind is, you know, everybody's asking, Oh, what about, you know, have you talked to LeBron? Did he give you a shout out? No, I, he did not. So <laughs> well, we'll get him eventually. We'll, we'll have to yeah. maybe, maybe after a, a, another season or so we'll see, we'll, we'll right. get LeBron eventually. But yeah. um, it's, so the first thing that, that showed up when I, when I was seeing you, you went out to see uh, yeah, breaking down the, Cleveland Browns, you know, practice. I mean, I know you, you're yeah. a big time uh, Cleveland Browns fan. I mean, yes. what was that like being able to be right there on the practice facility and, you know, seeing the team that you've been a fan of for, for so long? Uh, it was so cool. Just very, like, I just kept pinching myself. Like it was just unbelievable because yeah, you, I grew up watching these games. I grew up being a fan. And so to then not just get to watch it up close, but even almost be a part of it and, and give them advice, which is just, it was so cool. I, I really didn't feel like I deserved to be there. I know I, what I did was, was cool, Um, (laughs) but uh, it's still just when it's you being me, I'm like, I don't, this is, what could I possibly say to these guys that they're going to want to listen to, but they were awesome. And it was, just really cool to get to to meet all of them and just realize they're they're just athletes trying their best too. So we're not so different. Yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah, you you got two people at the the top of their game and two very different sports. But like, I'm sure you were just as excited to see them as they probably were to be like, oh man, like that's an Olympic gold medal. Like, you know, I play football. <laughs> we don't even have an Olympic. They can't. I can't even win that. Like, that must have been yeah. you know pretty cool seeing you know those interactions. Definitely, it just it makes it more real. I think there's the Olympics just seem so big that I've had a hard time fully comprehending that I actually won that. And so when you see the reactions of people that you look up to in the sporting world, get excited, it put really puts it into perspective. So it was, yeah, like I said, very surreal, just in, in what world do I belong at this field and talking to them, but it was awesome. And then Last part of uh, on the, the Cleveland Browns thing, um, is Miles Garrett as massive as he looks like on TV? Because he's, he's he looks like a huge yes. dude. Oh, massive. He And he was so kind. He was so nice. He actually 
came up to me as he was walking out to practice and said he watched and congratulated me and I just about passed out because he's probably my favorite player I feel bad saying that now having met some of the guys like I I am hesitant to say anyone's my favorite player now, but (laughs) I've had his jersey. And when he was going through the COVID stuff, I was going through COVID, you know, complications. And it was really inspiring to see that he was still getting out there every day. And, and I, I definitely was inspired by that. So for him to come up and say all that was just incredible. And when I say he was towering over me, I mean, I was my neck fully like it just uh it was but yeah as kind as can be he's one of the nicest I feel like athletes I've ever met yeah he looks like he looks like he's definitely an enforcer on the field you gotta be mean there but then kind guy off so that's good that's good to hear that's good to hear and so one thing that I think must be really cool might personally for me, it would probably be even better than Olympic medal. I saw some kids dressed up as you and Baker Mayfield for Halloween. Uh, that was what was my, that? That was so cool. My mom texted me and said, this was my first trick or treater. And it, it, they lived in our development. They live in our development and they drove over to our house so that my mom's house could be the first trick-or-treater and that the first place that they went to to get candy and so my mom got a picture but I they recreated that photo of me and him shaking hands and it was just oh I that's the coolest thing ever again it's all pretty surreal but to then to see somebody dress up as you for Halloween that's just next level (laughs) yeah it was the one of the few yeah few uh the track pictures for Halloween I saw that I think yeah. someone dressed up as Shikari Richardson that was well. amazing too oh my gosh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, a whole bunch of I guess the the track and field world is coming alive for for Halloween so that that's uh that's really cool and um so before we kind of got into some of the track stuff I've got I think one two three four about five celebrities from Cleveland and I want you to I guess rank them in any order in what? whatever it means for you whether it's people that you like, or just in what, whatever your order would be. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we'll, probably none of them will listen to this because, but we'll, we'll see if they do, we'll don't, don't be offended. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. First one, we have Halle Berry. Okay. Kid Cuddy, the okay. Paul brothers, okay. and then Travis Kelsey. Oh man. Okay. I, okay. I'm going to do this as in what they mean to me. And so I will put uh, Travis Kelsey last only because I really don't know much about him. Like I, I just nothing personal. I just, I haven't. Um, and then probably in third, oh, this is hard because, oh, I guess, I would, oh, this is tough. (laughs) Um, I would probably have to say, oh man, I guess Kid Cudi third. Um, Only like I've listened to some of his music. I, in college, especially like that was when a lot of his music was coming out. And I do, I've liked a lot of his songs. I'll probably go the Paul Brothers second because I got invited to um Jake Paul's fight oh, like that was very nice yeah, that he reached cool. out on Twitter I know he's a very controversial kind of polarizing person and I get it uh but he 
you know, reached out to me through Twitter and offered to have me at his fight, which was very nice. And so I, I, I can't, I can't get on here and hate on the Paul brothers because of that. And I guess my, my dad and his mom knew each other back when they were younger in school. So that's um, the connection there. And then Halle Berry is just, I mean, she's awesome. You got to put her first because she's just, she's beautiful. She's classy. She's done so much like, yeah. So yeah. Excellent person. Uh, Agree (laughs) there. Uh, So love that. Love that. Um, But you wanted to, then wanted to kind of shift ways and, and start where um, pole vaulting started for you. Um, you know, what, what got you interested in, in doing vaulting? Because uh, it's not usually the first event people think of when they think of track and field. Right. Uh, so what, what got you into uh, to the vaulting stuff? I did gymnastics when I was younger. So I loved anything involving, you know, upper body strength, adrenaline. I was always climbing on the monkey bars and doing things that would get me hurt. (laughs) And so I saw the high schoolers doing it the first day they took us to track practice in seventh grade. And I just begged my coaches to let me try it. I knew that was going to be my sport. And I always liked doing things that were a little different. Um, You know, when I was in grade school and they showed us different instruments to try, I picked trombone because it was different. And like, I always wanted to do the things that weren't super obvious or easy, I guess. So I, I, but I really gravitated towards it and I tried it for the first time and loved it immediately. The second day I ever did it, I landed on my back on the runway and I still wanted to keep trying it. So (laughs) that, that sounds actually funny because it's a similar thing to me. Like I, so I started uh, pole vaulting because in middle school, our coach was talking about all the new events in high school. He's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, there's discus, there's javelin, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, then there's, then there's pole vault. He's like, that's, that's crazy. I'd never do that. And I'm like, all right, that, uh, that's the event that I'm going to do. Yeah. And then, and then similar to you, like I, I went up and then I went, I fell right back on the runway. Like, and I was, yeah. was like, all, <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, you all right? I'm like, of course I'm okay. Let's do it again. That was so much again. Fun. Yeah. yeah. You're not that high in the air at that point. So it doesn't hurt that bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I was, I don't even think I was gripping at six feet yet. I was just barely right. above my head. I was, I was yeah. so tiny. So it doesn't, doesn't hurt at all, but uh, yeah, that similar, funny, uh, funny to hear is a similar thing. Yep. But um, then, so I actually had uh, recently or not too recently, but before we had Trevor Bassett. So other Ashland, uh, yes. Ashland alum on the show. Yeah. And uh, so I was interested because I was talking to him like, hey, you were a, a really good athlete in high school as well. And you went to cho- choose Ashland Division Division II school. And, you know, why did you choose it? And I know your journey was was slightly different. You started off at Dayton. But yep. what, what was your journey to being, you know, you're a state record holder in high school. And then, you know, why was it that Ashland was then your your, your next choice to, to go to to continue out your, your collegiate career? I just always had a good feeling about Ashland. Um, They had just built this new outdoor facility. I had friends that went to Ashland. I had friends on the track team at Ashland. And I really always enjoyed the conversations I had with the coaches. Um, And to be honest, I was struggling at Dayton and I, I didn't feel like I should go to another D1 school. And that's not to say that, you know, I went D2 because it was easier or anything like that. It just, I... I didn't want to go to another similar situation where I was putting a lot of pressure on myself because it was division one. And I, I just kind of needed to get into a new environment where, and, and Ashland's been great for this. So just 
you know, finding my internal motivation. You're, you're there. I, my coach, my pole vault coach would always joke, you know, if you do well, they'll double my salary because he was a volunteer coach. He didn't make a dime with coaching. And it just, it was just really nice to feel like I'm just there because I want to be here and how, and it, it slowly, but surely helped my confidence along with other things. But yeah, that was kind of how I ended up choosing Ashland. I just, at the end of the day, my gut said, this is going to be the good place for you. And my gut was what also took me to Brad. And so it just, there's my gut reaction has, has yet to lead me astray. So <laughs> yeah, trusting in your, uh, I guess the, so I'm from Philadelphia. So the term trust the process has been a, a big thing. Yeah. Like trusting the process or, or, or trusting your gut is uh, something Absolutely. that is, is really important. And, and especially in the vault, because while your, your gut might tell you, I need to go up on this next pole, your mind might not uh, and be like, uh, this is, you know, five pounds heavier or, you know, whatever pounds stiffer or whatever it might be. Yep. What, what has been that kind of, have you had any of that, that internal, you know, difficulties with saying like, you know, I want to go with my gut, but I'm, I'm unsure if that might be the right decision, you know, whether it's pole vaulting or, or elsewhere. Yeah, I think the times I've needed to make big transitions, I've just gone where my gut has told me to go. But there, I mean, I struggled at Dayton for a while before I made the change. Um, and I think my coach ended up leaving and that was what fully triggered it. Of, okay, I this now I get to, now I can make a change. It was this light bulb moment. Um, but had he not, I probably wouldn't have. I would have been either too stubborn or just not realized that I could maybe be better in a different situation. Or um, so yeah, that's definitely that's I. It's not easy to make a big change, but in the times where I knew I needed a change, I just. I, I felt so good and excited about the places that I was going. And that was what told me, okay, yep, this is where you need to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, That's something that if, if you know, you know, what's best for you and it just feel like Definitely. this is, yeah, this is going to work out. Then you're not going to look back at it. Like, oh man, I should have done that. It's like, no, well, that's yeah. what, yeah, that's what I believe was right. And so that's where, you know, where I'm going to go with it. Yeah. Um, so and it's easier to buy into a program when you feel that way. And I am a firm believer that if you 100% buy in, you will see results or success. It might not be, you know, necessarily winning the Olympics, but you will see progress. And, you know, you can't really have that if you're not fully sure. Yeah, it's the, the buy-in. You need to go all in, especially in the vault. If, if you're even hesitant a little bit and you're backing up, you're going to be flying back on the pole. And unlike when in, you, you started off and you fell on the ground, you know, doing yeah. that from six <laughs> feet is going to hurt right. a little bit more than from six feet. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so something that you had, another major change that you, you talked about was, you know, changing and, and picking up Brad Walker. And so he was probably, for me, was one of the the big vaulters that I was looking at because I was yeah. in height like ninth grade or tenth grade when he started you know really setting records and, and making teams and he right. was you know, one of those big names you know in the pole vault everyone really knows what was the the transition like for you like what what was it that you kind of felt like hey we need to change things up a bit and eventually going to one of the the bigger names in the in the vault yeah I 
when I didn't make the team in 2016, I knew I needed a change. That was again, my light bulb moment, kind of wake up call of, okay, you need a new situation to really reach your full potential. You're not going to do it here in your comfort zone. And I had always enjoyed, not that I had very many, but the couple conversations that I had had with Brad, I really enjoyed just listening to him speak. He just has such a presence and just, he is intentional in everything that he says. And just the way he would describe the vault was very simple. Um, a lot of people overcomplicate it, myself included. Um, and so he just made it really simple. And I reached out to him because I had heard that he took the job at Washington State if he could coach elite vaulters. I think he wasn't entirely sure if he wanted to coach elites yet, let alone a woman. I think he, in his mind, he's like, I want to coach, you know, 19 feet, Chris Nielsen-esque guys. Like that was his image. And now he's coaching six women. So, <laughs> but, um, and I like to say it's the best thing that ever happened to him. So, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, I went out there and in just one session, he helped me to hit a takeoff in a way I never had before my for me it was always getting my bottom arm up and out of the way I always collapsed and swung immediately off the ground I was leaning back slowing down going into the takeoff and in just one session he not only helped me to like get a bottom arm but it felt like my jump because anytime I had tried it in the past everyone always said oh if you just fix your bottom arm but what most people don't realize is it's it's the bottom arm, it isn't just pushing it out. It's getting it up and out of the way, but then it's that top hand pressure coming back through. That's what's going to help that pull speed. If you just block out with the bottom arm, you're not going to go anywhere. You can't swing. And I, most people don't, they just see bottom arm because they see that's what Renault, Mondo, all the guys like just, you know, have this big bottom arm. And so that's what's success. It's like, no, it's actually like, you want to get it up and out of the way, of course, but it's that top hand pressure coming back. And so he can see things in the vault and just know the energy flow. He can see where you're losing energy. And like another thing he changed was I started, you know, a little too far back on the runway, but I was always under. So every coach, it was always like, okay, but you're, you're leaning back, you're slowing down, but you're, you're under. So like back up a little bit. We actually moved my starting point three feet closer on the runway when I start. Actually, it was probably more like four feet closer. Oh, wow. um, and so that just, it, by doing that, it, I didn't feel too far away. I wasn't reaching to get there. And then I could actually accelerate into it. But a lot of people just look at what is happening and, think of the immediate fix. And he could see it from like three steps back. He could just see everything in the bigger picture. And so that was, yeah, that was pretty huge. Yeah. Cause it's going against what you would think you're like, Oh, you're under. So we move you back, but it's like, no, 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 you're, you're reaching. You're not running the, the way that you should be running. Once we tighten it up, you're going to be, your turnover will be, you know, putting this, your feet in the right direction. Then you're going to be in the right spot. Exactly. Not, not very easy to see, especially on your first, one of the first uh, practices you have. But um, I, I think something that is you know really valuable is making like going through adverse adversity at, at any point, whether it's in your career or whatever, um, you know, any sport that you're doing. 
so yeah, I think there's something you know really valuable going through that adversity, um, especially if it's early on in whatever it is you're doing, you know, work, sports, whatever. And you mentioned yeah, you know, early on in 2016, you didn't you you know didn't make the Olympic team, came in fifth. I mean, right. Could you walk us through what it was like? like right after or after and how you were kind of going through in your mind, okay, we got to, we got to do something and, you know, get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. Going into that meet, I was really excited. I felt like I definitely could make that team. I knew I had a chance, but at the time I, I needed to have my best day and other people needed to underperform. And that's exactly what happened other people just performed incredibly well you know several girls myself included set new personal best I set an outdoor personal best that tied my all-time personal best and so in that moment I just knew that my best with what I was doing right now wasn't good enough and I never wanted to go into a meet having to hope somebody else had a bad day ever again I just I had been told and I really believed, you know, you're really talented, you're capable of doing some pretty incredible things. And to see that all the way through and to really reach that full potential, I needed to get out of my comfort zone. I needed to give up my, I, I, I needed to kind of just check my ego at the door. I always had needed to be in control with training because pole vault scared me. So I needed to push back a little bit and wasn't super, I was a bit resistant to change. So I needed to go to a new situation where I just couldn't be resistant to change. So I needed to change everything, my environment, the coach, everything. Um, so that was, but I knew in that moment, as soon as I went out and didn't make the team, okay, I gave it my all. I literally laid it all out there and it sucks. I'm sad, but I know that I don't want this to happen again. And so we're just going to make some changes. And so this year, um, you really had almost the, the polar opposite of, of 2016, yeah. had a, a fantastic <laughs> year. And, and oh, it seems like almost everything was going right throughout the, the almost the entire season. Um, was there any changes you made from 2020 or, or 2019, I guess? I mean, it kind of, the, those two years really feels like, one with everything that was going on, but was there anything you made different or was it just like timing wise, it was just lining up? It was more of just, yeah, timing. Um, When I came into work with Brad the first year, we really had to tackle the mental game. Um, And in doing that, we then could change the technical thing. So the first year was really just chain, like getting me to not be afraid of the vault and in the way you do that is by, as you're on the runway, as you're coming down, you have cues. And by the, having these execution points that I'm trying to do and execute, it keeps a lot of the fear out of it. And I just didn't know how to think on the runway. So that was the first year was really tackling that. And again, we made changes like moving my step closer so that I actually wanted to run into the takeoff as opposed to feeling too far away and leaning back and being nervous about it. Um, so little things like that, but then once I kind of figured out how to focus on the runway and, and make it so that I wasn't afraid of it coming in, then 
the next year we could really get after more of the technical things, the takeoff, you know, that bottom arm, but also that top hand pressure and staying tight and all those technical things that really we should have worked on, um, you know, at the beginning. Um, and so, uh, then the past two years with COVID, you know, we were able to keep training where a lot of people weren't. And I'm extremely grateful for that. We just had this facility in the middle of nowhere that was this old abandoned warehouse. And so we could just go in with just us and stay in our little bubble and I could lift in my garage. But I think just having that time, I was always better after a preseason. Um, you know, I came in to work with Brad after the indoor season and then um, I set a new personal best that first year in the summer. And so it was a couple months of working with him for that. And then the next year, 2018, I had a preseason with him and then jumped 16 feet. And then, you know, the next year I had a preseason and then was consistently jumping, you know, 80 plus bars. And so each, each year that I had had this time to just train, I got better as a result. And so it was like one long preseason in 2020 and actually 2021 was probably my worst year training like from beginning to end. It is not what you would have expected from somebody that, you know, was Olympic champion, but all the work that we put in the past four years, but really, especially in 2020, just getting consistent trips down the runway was the difference. Yeah. I, I heard in a few other interviews and that you had done that, yeah, you, you came down, you, you were affected by, by COVID as well as I think you had a, um, what was it? A food poisoning as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's hard to think that, you know, someone that wins the Olympic gold, you know, biggest, you know, biggest award here in the year is being affected by two pretty big things that <laughs> are going to affect how you can run, jump and, and all that. Right. I mean, how, <laughs> if you had to like, look back, like, what was it that helped you still reach your goal, even though you were going through two of these things that, you know, can affect people pretty, pretty heavily? Uh, I mean, Brad was a big <laughs> constant for me. Um, yeah, I think it was just, just coming in every day. And, you know, as I'm going through COVID stuff, just still getting on the runway and still giving it my all as best as I could. I, I had these moments of okay you've still got it it's still there it's frustrating but just keep pushing and keep training um and it did slowly but surely start to come back and so by the time you know pole snap and then by the time food poisoning came around it was just like okay what else <laughs> we've had so many things happen and i think at that point because i had seen I had, I gotten to experience a good year so far, having, having jumped 90 plus several times, it, it did help me to relax, but it definitely added an element of stress because it changes yeah, your weight. And if you lose a few pounds like that in the pole vault, it's going to make a difference. And I, I think I felt some of that at the games for sure. So it just was, yeah. It's just, it was an interesting year. So <laughs> very, very interesting to say the least. Um, yeah. And so before we talk about the Olympics, I want to bring you to a tweet from it's October 6, 2017. So he's not on the team anymore, but you said, I think on third attempts, I'm just going to start channeling my inner Francisco Lindor. And so, <laughs> 
that's something that you kind of did at the Olympics this year. <laughs> yeah. Handled your inner Back when he was door. with us, right? <laughs> yeah. So you you started off, you came in as the favorite for the Olympics and you missed the first two attempts, something that you normally uh, wouldn't do in, mm-hmm. in vaulting. Missed the first two and on the opening bar and then was able to, to clear it. But could you kind of bring us into the mindset? I mean, I know I've had a couple... I know how freaky it can be when you miss your first two attempts, but I haven't missed my first two attempts on the world's biggest stage. (laughs) What's it like being the favorite and being two, you have one jump left to do it. I mean, what's going through your head at at that point? Uh, It was, (laughs) it's a lot of everything and nothing at once because it's, you know what this moment is, but at the same time, you're numb. I was numb. I think it was like my defense mechanism of, okay, this is, <laughs> this is big. You know what this is. I was definitely thinking about my family sitting at a dive bar at six in the morning watching me. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's, it's very stressful, especially when that's not how I normally jump. You know, this is not what normally happens for me and not to sound cocky, but during the warmups, Brad and I get it really dialed into what pole, what, you know, everything. And so um, I, during the warmups, my quad just was so tight, it wouldn't loosen up. And I just spent so many trips down the runway, just trying to loosen it up. And I didn't have a good intentional warmup. And so that's really what those first two jumps were, I think was just kind of acting as what I would have figured out in the warmups in a normal situation. So that was definitely um, frustrating, um, but all I thought about was the cues. You know, going back to those execution points, everything that we worked on the past four years is when I get on the runway and I start moving. My only thought and my only focus is what I am trying to execute, and so um, yeah, it just it was very stressful, and <laughs> you know, um, but. I just am really grateful that I went my way. It still wasn't exactly the jump I felt great about at that point. Um, We ended up, I realized that I just kind of needed to run into the pool that day. So I, um, I moved my starting point closer on the runway and that's not something I would have normally done, but it just, that's what it was that day. And that's how it needed to go. And it ended up working out, but it was very stressful. And so, yeah, so what was the relief after you do finally clear the bar after missing, you know, missing the two attempts? No, what was it like after (sighs) you hit the mat and you're like, all right, here we go. It, I was very relieved, but I was still a bit stressed because it still didn't feel like me. I was coming up really short. Um, I, I mean, that one, I almost hit it on the backside again, and it just didn't feel like me and how I normally line up jumps. And, And so that was just still a bit unsettling. Um, I was obviously very relieved to still be in the competition. Um, but, and then going to 470, missing that first attempt again in the same way, that's when I just was starting to get just a little mad because again, I don't normally do this. So it's once I clear a bar, once I kind of find it, I'm good. And I hadn't jumped like this all year. I just, it was like poles were not rolling for me like they normally do. And what's interesting is I've talked with other women in that final and they felt the same way. So it might've very well been me with food poisoning, just being lighter. I wasn't rolling poles the same way, but I, 
I can't help but think there might have been something a little bit that was was keeping us from from moving it as well. Maybe Mondo broke the box. I don't know. But. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, which I don't I don't like doing. I don't like saying there's something wrong with a facility or but when you jump over and over and over again and you're at this level and you're at like yes it could be nerves but also I I know how I felt coming down that runway and I know that in the last four steps I commit and the fact that I was committing feeling like the pole wasn't going to move and I was backing off of it which is why I was coming up short but I only back off of it if something feels wrong so I that's why I just made that decision which Brad didn't tell me to do (laughs) I don't know that I would recommend not listening to your coach in an Olympic games (laughs) but it was a combination of what he was telling me and me just knowing what was going on knowing what I was feeling and saying okay we need to move I'm moving my starting point just a little bit closer to feel like I'm running into it to get it to move more as soon like while I'm still on the ground which again not what you teach in pole vault 101 Mm -hmm. but that's just what needed to happen. And so once I cleared that bar and then cleared my first attempt at 80, that's when I found, that's when I felt like myself. That was really like the best. <laughs> yeah. Did you tell him after like, oh yeah, on the jump that I, that my entire Olympic career was, was going to be lifted on. I decided to just do something <laughs> on my own. Did you ever tell him that? What, what I don't we- know if I have, we, I might have, he and I have a very good relationship and just, I, we communicate really well. So I probably over communicate if anything. Uh, just, I, I, every practice I am just word vomit of everything that I'm feeling. So, um, but I think I did. And I'm sure he was like, we're going to not do that, (laughs) but it got the job done. He really could not have been mad at me at all. So (laughs) it it worked to be like, Hey, I got over the bar and we won. So what what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So what's the, um, so this year's Olympics, it was a little bit different. Like you mentioned, a lot of the women had, had gone out pretty quickly. Um, which was strange compared to, you know, what you would see in the past. It would, you know, there'd be a lot more, you know, ladies going, you know, staying through, but what could you kind of take us through like what those last few jumps were like? And then, you know, when you finally clear the bar, I mean, there's tons of great photos of you coming down (laughs) celebrating. I mean, like what, what are those moments like, you know, when you're coming down and, and reaching your, your ultimate goal there? Yeah, it was, like I said, at 480, I was so excited. And I actually think some of the jumps of me celebrating in the air might actually be from that 480 jump, because that's when I knew I had a chance again, because I found my jump, it felt like me. And no matter how it finished out, I was at least going to have a chance at a good day. And I didn't, I didn't know where that would place me, but I, I at least had a chance. And so clearing 480 and then clearing 85 it just all felt good and it all felt like me again and then at 490 my first attempt I missed but it was close it I just came out just a bit too early nicked it with my hip um kind of going over and so I knew I could clear that bar now obviously that doesn't always happen but I was really excited to get back on the runway and just you know when you you know where you did something wrong and you want to run back to the runway to do it again, just to make it that much better. You don't want too much time to pass before you, because you can feel it. You lose the feeling. You don't want to lose the feeling. Yeah. 
that was what I felt. And so it was, those last few bars were just rapid fire. Um, and I just, was jumping on the runway because I also just didn't want to lose that momentum. Um, so I just, I was on the runway, you know, kind of staring it down. And when it's a second attempt, it's not quite as nerve wracking as a third attempt. Um, and so I think it was a combination of, I found my rhythm. I know exactly what to tell myself to do, whether my body will cooperate is a different story, but I know exactly what to tell myself to do to clear this bar. So just come down and, and get back, jump and get back. And as I took off the ground, I really actually thought I messed it up because it felt so weird going into the swing. And you can kind of see it's that I almost come off the side a little bit, like under my armpit rather than more squared up. And I was just so far under that the pole just scooped me up and shot me straight upside down. <laughs> and so um, we, uh, Brad was, Brad had always told me of this story of when he cleared the American record that that jump wasn't a good jump. His pole drop got away from him. He was leaning back. He was off balance. His best jump was, you know, at a bar or two earlier. And he, his point was that you fight for every jump because you, you never know, like you give yourself a chance. And I, I, I believed him, but in my head, I'm like, well, it's Brad, like nobody else, nobody's going to have a bad jump and then have and clear an American record or clear an Olympic winning jump. And the first thing I said when I ran over to him was that felt like how you described your American record jump because it just, it felt just weird going into the swing, but I just, I was then over it. So part of my reaction is also just a bit of shock that it actually stayed. We're right again. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's got to be weird yeah weird like oh man this feels not like you know because there's sometimes when you know you're about to pr and you're like oh yeah this is i'm i'm clearing this bar yes. yeah oh yeah and, you know immediately and that was not one of them i just i'm like <laughs> there's no way <laughs> that's, that's so interesting to hear that it's like yeah it's the it was the opposite for yeah, no. <laughs> makes sense when you know brad was saying it so it makes sense um, no. something something else that was i found similar um was with your that I had that I did as well was with your spikes and so I know that you write you write your dad on your spikes and tap yeah. it on the on big jumps and for me I write my cousin Michael's name on the Aww. back of my spikes because nice. uh, when I was younger I had lost my cousin just had a very big impact um, on yeah. my life and so I was wondering because I, I don't see too many people doing similar things like that I mean what was the you know, being able to reach your goals like that and for, you know, your, your father, obviously very important to you. What's, what's that like? Cause I know uh, when I've had some meets, not, not the Olympics, but other ones that were, you know, just as big for me, I was like, all Oh, this important. was, it's all relative, right? Yeah. <laughs> like this, this is great, but could you kind of touch on that and, you know, the yeah. impact that, that that has with you? I just, he was, he went to the greatest lengths to make sure that I was the best athlete that I could be, like whether it was golf, putting me in private lessons or yeah, pole vault, taking me to, you know, an hour away twice a week um, in the summer and in the winter. Um, 
you know, just making sure that I succeeded at whatever I did. And he was so invested and he knew nothing about pole vaulting, which was kind of nice as a teenage girl. You don't want your dad telling you anything telling you what to do it's the worst and so um in a way it was really nice because he couldn't he just he would sit there and listen and then he'd repeat what my coaches said and and so it was something we could really bond over um because I again I didn't feel like he was sitting there just telling me what to do um and yeah it's just crazy to think that he just wanted me to be the best that I could be and the best that I could be is the best in the world it's pretty surreal but I I think he'd be pretty ecstatic so (laughs) yeah that's similar things are going through my head I just like oh man like finally getting to do you know all these things that I know that he would be super proud to see right. me do. And it's right. like, oh, wow. Yeah. The best yeah. I can be is the best in the world. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't get there. You don't get many better quotes than that. <laughs> so had a, a few other things before we had wrapped up. I know that uh, you're also very interested in, in fashion as well. And if I remember correctly, yeah. I think you were looking into at one point after college doing the like Paris uh, Fashion Institute. If that's correct. I did do that after did do that. at yeah. Ashland. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was part of getting my degree. Um, and so I did, it was a four week intensive program. We, uh, we got to design a, a clothing line. We didn't actually make it. We didn't sew it. We didn't put it together, but we just recreated a whole book with every look that we would do. We picked out the fabrics. We, and then we got to help with uh, some of the runway shows at Paris Fashion Week, which was incredible. It was the coolest experience ever. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely something I'm, I'm passionate about is is fashion. And I love dressing nice and going out to eat on the weekends with my friends or, you know, all that good stuff. So yeah, we got, there's a lot of good uh fashion a lot a lot of high high intensity fashion people in the track world no you got the you know Noah Lyles uh, yeah, really. someone, uh Will Clay you got there's there's mm-hmm. tons of tons of people uh what would you say would be your biggest like inspiration or or kind of kind like what your your vibe is fashion wise if that makes any sense if I know if I broke that down correctly yeah it's funny I don't follow too many I guess like fashion bloggers or fashion people, it's really more, I love Pinterest. (laughs) So it's more of just like seeing things that I like. TikTok's great because if you like one fashion thing, six more pop up on your for you page. And so Mm -hmm. it's just, I, I guess I don't really fit into one mold of an aesthetic. It's, it's just whatever I like. And I see and more of it is just, I have a very athletic build and I, I've come to learn what styles are going to look good on me and what just aren't. I have very broad shoulders. So there are just certain cuts that are just not going to work on me and that's okay. And I, I think something to live by with fashion advice is that dressing for your body type is always in style. And just because there's a certain trend or something, you know, doesn't mean you like power to you, wear whatever you want, wear what makes you happy. But if you're, if, if it's flattering on you, it will always be in style. Yeah. And it's, it's getting cold. So it's sweater weather and jacket weather. The best so, weather. <laughs> best weather. You're going to have all, all the, the sweaters, jackets, and hats. Love layers. And so I got a few, one last uh, little segment for you. 
So yeah. I've got a, a this or that. So okay. choose which one you would you would like to pick. Okay. okay. So first one, stadium or street vault? Street vault. I have so much fun at street vaults and they're usually raised runways and I love raised runways. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, that, that haven't awesome. done me wrong, but I street vaults. Love it. Love it. Uh, core workout or speed workout? Speed. For pole your, vault, the faster you are, the better. I mean, core is important, but speed. What's your favorite like running workout that you guys do? Uh, we'll just do very like different lengths of sprints. So, uh, you know, it'll be like a 30, 40, 50 ladder times two or three. Um, and so just with spikes, no pole, just really working on how fast can you go? Um, I think that'd probably be my favorite. My favorite is doing like a 10, 20, 30, but (laughs) (laughs) to actually get, get better in the vault, probably something like a 40, 50, 60 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if it was up to me, I'd be like, yeah, let's just do five, three meter sprints. Right. Right. Just to day. start. Yeah. yeah. But with adequate rest. <laughs> there, yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, another gold or Brown Super Bowl. The number of people that have asked me that, um, <laughs> that is the hardest question because I want to, I want the Browns to win a Super Bowl so bad. And I guess maybe because I've already won one, I can, I can say a Brown Super Bowl, but I'm also very selfish and I, <laughs> I just, I, it felt really good to win one. So I'd love to do it again, but I guess I can give that up for Cleveland. So yeah, <laughs> I what guess I was, would say Brown Super Bowl. What if it was world record or Brown Super Bowl? I would pick the world record. Uh, there you go. There. Yeah. You, you can't, I, yeah. Because I don't have it. I guess like if yeah. there's something. <laughs> I guess maybe if I had it and to break it again, then I don't know, but to say you're the greatest that ever existed is that's a bit too big to pass up. (laughs) Yeah. The Browns can win one in, you know, short, they can win one. Uh, Next one, protein bar or a protein shake. It depends on the time of day. Honestly, in the middle of a workout protein shake, because you digest it faster, but I'm a big advocate for, food during the day. My sister is a dietitian. So, um, if it's just like a snack during the day, then the bar, because your, your body wants to break down food versus a drink. But if I'm in the middle of a workout, then a protein shake. All right. And the last one, it kind it's a, uh, Oh, actually two more. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> similar to that breakfast or dinner. Both. I, I love eating. I'm cannot pick, I guess if it comes down to breakfast food or dinner food. Yeah. Breakfast foods are like dinner foods. Mm, Again, that's really hard, but I would probably say dinner foods. I love, I love breakfast food. I love brunch. Don't get me wrong, but like having good pasta or Chinese food or like sushi or anything like that, I, where I wouldn't eat it during the day, I would or in the morning, I would, I would probably pick those. Love that. Love it. <laughs> and last one for you. Uh, or would you rather have an earlier meet like in the morning or at night? At night. I am not a morning person. It takes me hours to fully wake up. And so it's in theory, it's a good idea. Cause then you have the rest of your day, but usually you're so tired after anyways, you don't really want to do anything. So definitely at night meet. And that, that's the thing that stinks because in high, especially in high school and college, 
pole vault is like always the first event. And so oh, you're yeah. waking up early at six, oh, yeah. 5 a.m. anyway. So right. it's nice to change it up a little bit. But <laughs> uh, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. No, um, I'm so sorry for the interruptions. <laughs> Any uh, other day, I wouldn't have been a thing. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, where, where could people go if they wanted to yeah, follow more about you, um, whether it's on social media or, or anything like that? Yeah, my Instagram is uh, KTNAGO13, just the letter K and T. Um, Twitter, I believe is the same. And then Facebook for my mom. Um, I still keep that up and running. <laughs> but I just have a Katie Najat pole vault page. So yeah, I think TikTok is just Katie Najat, just my name. So any, any and all of the above. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So make sure you tune into that, but thank you, Katie. And, and thank you to everyone who's been listening. It's been another episode of track world news. Uh, if you enjoy it, make sure you follow us on Instagram at track world news, post a bunch of clips, highlights, things like that. So you definitely don't want to miss out. Uh, also make sure you leave a like review uh, really helps us uh, here. Um, it doesn't take too much time, but thank you. Have a good one and peace. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.